Welcome to the DC Beer Show, everybody. We are at DC Beer across social media. Brandy, what's in your glass this lovely, mild DC evening? Hi, Jake. Um, so actively in my glass, which is only like three sips left, is not a local beer. Some of my dearest friends took a two-week vacation, lucky them, to Cape Cod, and they brought me back some amazing beer. This one is called, um, it's called Handline. It's a Kolsch-style ale. This is from Devil's Purse Brewing Company in Massachusetts, um, South Dennis, Massachusetts. And they also got me, which I'm about to open next, so if you hear the sound, that's this beer. Um, it is a table beer which I'm so jazzed about because you don't really see table beers very often. Although they were giving them out after Snally, uh, not Snally, um, Savor, which was kind of cool. Um, so Hoppy Pale Ale fermented with lime juice. So yeah, uh, new beers. So yay, yay, yay. I would ask Mike Stein what he's drinking, but Mike Stein's not with us today. We have a super special guest who you're actually going to start hearing more and more and more. Our dear friend, Jordan! Jordan is with us, and he is, he is A, our guest for tonight, and B, going to be on the show, and you'll be seeing him around more and more. So, Jordan, what's what's in your glass? What you drinking? <laughs> well, hello, hello, hello. Uh, Brandy, thank you for that awesome intro. Uh, I'm actually having something from my uh, neighborhood watering hole, Astrolab, a good old Gravitas Rainbow uh, Indian Pale Ale hopped with cashmere and citra. Um, having that, enjoying it, I, I always enjoy stuff from uh, Astro. I just really appreciate the uh, the neighborhood IPA factory. Um, so I'm having some of that, and, I, and I'm actually uh, happy to be here with you guys. Uh, Jake, what are you having? What's in your glass? Welcome, Jordan. Um, I'm going to keep it the theme. I also have an IPA with Citra. Uh, it also has some freestyle Nelson Solvent in it. It is from Fast Fashion in Washington State, a product of um, Monk's Pizza and Brian's Stillwater Strumke. Uh, 7.2, Citra, and Freestyle Nelson. It's phenomenal. Like, what, what, what can I say? The two, <laughs> two, two of my favorite hops, nice haze. It's got, you know, it's, it's, it's really well put together. It seems like Jordan's the only one representing local tonight. Uh, but I, we all know Jordan loves him some Astrolab. <laughs> that boy yep. is there yeah, all the time. You're there yep. constantly running. Did you just run tonight? Yeah. So uh, on Tuesdays, Astrolab, they have a, have a run club uh, and all levels are welcome. But uh, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. And there's also an earlier group at, at 530. They do, a, they do a run club. So, yeah, tonight was a three mile for me because uh, it's humid as hell out there. Uh, air a little thick. But uh you know, good old DC, or I guess good old Maryland summer, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's a good day at Run Club, and uh, we've got trivia coming up on Thursday. So uh, for those those that are local, definitely check out Astrolab Trivia on Thursdays at 7.30. Uh, and shout out to my guy Nick at Capital Trivia. They always do a great job there. So so like, you never know what you might know at a, at a trivia night. So definitely if you're, uh, if you're local, come on and hang out with us. Uh, especially come out on... What what night was it, Jordan? So Thursday, uh, July twenty eighth, if I'm not mistaken, that'll be yep. our our next uh, big DC beer and uh, Capital Trivia link up. So uh, yeah, so come check us out at uh, Astrolab seven thirties. 
Thursday, it'll be, it'll be a great time. And uh, shout out to my trivia team, BDSU. DC beer team, whoop, whoop. Beer news. Let's talk about beer news, all right? So we've all heard that Three Stars is closed and that Old Ox and Silver Branch has called off its merge thanks to Jacob Berg's wonderful um, uh, beer writing journalism. Scoops uh, McGee over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a legit laugh. That one got me. Thanks, boo. So places are closing. People are quitting, um, getting laid off. The industry is extra nuts right now. Um, so make sure you're extra nice. We always, you know, always be nice to people, but be extra nice to those who may be out of a job um, that they've had for a long time. Uh, I don't want to call out people specifically, but you know who you are. We love you. You're the face of the places that have closed. And if you ever need anything, just let us know. Um, we love y'all. Um, in better beer news, <laughs> I just saw and was talking to Simon and Brian over at Red Bear. They just teased a brand new Goza, yes, uh, which is absolutely the best option for summer. Um, that will be coming out in a couple weeks. So um, I don't know if I can wait that long. So I might ask Simon for a little sneaky sneak taste. Um, but uh, once you hear about it, you're going to be counting down the minutes as well. Um, this beer, this new beer, um, Devin, the, the lead brewer, who actually came from Three Stars, um, has created this lovely Tepache-inspired goza with pineapple, um, piloncillo, which is a raw form of cane sugar, and ginger, chili pepper. So it's going to be like a traditional Mexican drink in goza form. And I'm, I'm, can, I can't wait. I'm jazzed about it. Um, so cheers to my friends over at Red Bear. Love y'all. Um, we need to get Devin on the show. I think that'd be great, but it's, I think the Red, Pe Red Bear people are kind of shy. So, um, until that beer is released, uh, check out two beers they have on tap right now. Good Goza. It's a sour, good belly probiotic juice, sour lemony notes. And then, um, Vanaheim with love, which they have this whole Nordic um, double IPA series um, with Citra New Zealand um, hops. So go check them out. And Nicole's beer, Bisticuffs, it's the Biscotti, yeah, it's the Biscotti beer, won a medal. So cheers to Red Bear and um, kudos to uh, to Nicole. So yeah, Red, go check out Red Bear. We haven't talked about them in a little bit. So I'm glad that they're, they're doing stuff. Jake, you got any beer news? I do. And so mm. this weekend, if you would like to do a road trip in your car with the AC on and a designated driver, it could be a very loud and county weekend for you if you want. Wheatland Spring is going to drop four cans this weekend. We know how they do. Um, there's going to be an IPA. There's going to be a lager. You might see a Gosa. You might see something else. But then... The fallout from Silver Branch's not merger with Old Ox, one of the hangups there was what happens to Old Ox Middleburg. So Old Ox Middleburg is quote unquote, and I'm making air quotes right now, retooling. And what that means is that this weekend, you will need to get out to Middleburg and kick those kegs. Um, so there are going to be a whole bunch of deals. Waterford, where Wheatland Spring is, to Old Ox Middleburg, maybe about 20, 30 minutes or so. So if you want to do a tour of Loudoun, um, that is certainly something that can happen this weekend. 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I still want to know what all's going on with all that, but that's we don't have to talk about it on the show. <laughs> no, no, no. We can, we can, we can spill a little bit of tea, and we can openly <laughs> pontificate. Right. Did is is all Docs Middleburg? Is that really the sticking point as to why this merger didn't happen? As Kate Burnett, Good Beer Hunting reported. I don't know. I'm skeptical. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but you know, love to everybody. We'll we'll see we'll see what what happens. Um, but hopefully, you'll hear it from us first. <laughs> as long as we haven't burned any bridges. Uh, Jordan, do you have any beer news? Uh, I I don't not uh, Jordan. I, I know I know right. <laughs> I, I gotta be the guy to come ruin it. Um, I guess the beer news I I do have is um, so. You know, the D.C. Beer Festival announced November 5th. Uh, again, I'm the guy who I look for all of the future D.C. Uh, or DMV related beer events so I can mark them on my calendar. <laughs> so I know what I can make. But uh, I know that's coming back to Nat State and that's part on November 5th. And I really just got my eyes set on all the other you know fall beer festivals that they got. So, you know, Salagaster and some of the other ones. So I'm really looking for the release dates for those. And Mega Fest. Yeah. So there's oh, two there's two things that like are worth mentioning here. Brandy put up one of them that's like the next big beer thing is going to be at the parks at Walter Reed, um, Soul Mega's third Mega Fest. Um, all Elliot the black and Jahari going to throw a party. Yeah, Sankofa, all black on breweries. Yep, yeah, Sankofa, um, Imani. Yeah, Urban Garden, uh, Black Room Movement are going to be there. You should read Mike Stein's Washington City Paper article about it. It's very well done. But also November 5th is the Baltimore Beer Fest put on by the Maryland Brewers Association. And so it's an interesting bit of counter-programming. That's also traditionally when you'd see NRG's November Fest, which Jordan and I hit at, was that Evening Star, Jordan? Last yeah, year, Evening Star in uh, yeah. was it Alexandria? Yeah, yeah. like in the past. Year? Yeah, in the past, it's been at um, at Rustico, but they moved it to Evening Star in November 2021. And so, it'll be interesting to see if we're gonna have three events: the Nats Park DC Beer Fest, the Maryland one in Baltimore, and Rust and the Rustico or Evening Star November Fest all that weekend, or for maybe November Fest if it's happening. Would be the sixth or the twelfth. We will see. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping they do the twelfth, uh, just because I, I enjoyed the festival last year. Uh, it had like it had some nice breweries. You know, tripping animals from Miami was there, so it was a, it was a it was some nice East Coast representation. I think they kind of like framed it as like uh, Snally Junior for the evening start thing. So like that was a good vibe. I'm hoping that they do it the week after because DC Beer Fest and that's Park. Like every year I've been, it's been phenomenal. So uh, that would be the one I would, I would want to hit if I could. Plus, everyone always thinks it's us. Metro accessible. <laughs> that puts it on. <laughs> I met some people um, at Other Half, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm on a DC Beer podcast. Like, oh, DC Beer, you do that um, beer festival at the Nats, at Nats Park. And I was like, no, it's not us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But that's okay. I mean, I just got an email from someone who thought that DC beer was DC Brow, and they were trying to sell me, you know, like like canning equipment and various, you know, packaging solutions. And I was just like, it's nice of you to reach out, but 
we're a beer blog, and when we collaborate with breweries, which we do on occasion, um, we use their existing packaging, you know, <laughs> materials and options. But I feel but, like that happens at least a couple of times a month, the DC Beer, DC Brow. But it is confusing because DC Brow has another label, like another whole brand uh, now. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, might be kind of confusing for some people, <laughs> I guess. Uh, anyway, I know that Richard Papa Beer has been going to Hellbender on Wednesdays for open night, um, open, open mic night. Um, and I go on Thursdays for trivia. Um, and I'm just thankful that Hellbender's open, especially with all these other random closings and, um, all the chaos. So I'm... I know we cheers Hellbender a lot recently for for all the drama that they've been through, but I'm so thankful that they're open. It's like it's good old times again. So, um, but uh, but there are beer things to go do always. We have a last minute guest, and this is someone that I've known for a while now from back in the days when I used to go to Atlas every Saturday after work. This is Chris Birch. From the DC heavymetal.com. DCbeer.com and DCheavyMetal.com. Two great tastes that take great taste great together. Chris Birch, yeah. how are you? Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. Much appreciated. So I guess the background here is that Atlas Ivy City closes their tap room. For the summer, we know that they've posted, like they're hiring a new GM, which means a new team is coming in at some point. Yeah. But Atlas Ivy City really was ground zero for heavy metal for concerts and shows in the city. Especially DIY. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was a last second thing. You know, it wasn't um, something that really anybody was really expecting, I think, not to happen like that, you know. Uh, you know, if you do DIY shows, concert venues come and go. You know, we, we saw the pinch come and the pinch go. Uh, and there, there are other places like that, too. Um, and But Atlas, the thing that was a little different about them was that, you know, they're this big brewery in the area. And they, they you know, when we started doing metal shows there, they really uh, embraced the community and the people that we could bring in and, uh, you know, bring into their brewery and, and share their beer with and everything and, and do the metal shows at. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the pandemic has had an impact on some of that. And then, um, you know, other half moved in just around the block as well. So why Atlas? Like how did, how did these DIY metal shows, how did they come to find Atlas? How did Atlas come to find them? Like how did this all start? Uh, so it started with me and uh, and Will Cook, my buddy Will. So originally, when I first met him, it was uh, we were we were both flyering a creator show. The German thrash metal band had played uh, the Howard Theater one night. This is back in uh, 2012, I believe. And um, you know, usually I know all the other people flyering outside of shows because I'm out there a lot and I I know who the other promoters are and stuff. And I didn't know this guy. And I was like, well, what do you fly? What, what are you doing? You know, I'm always curious because uh, of my own website. I want to know what people are doing. And he was trying to get people to come out to his brewery, uh, which was Port City. 
Um, and he, he was one of the brewers at Port City, and he was a metalhead, and he was like, nobody else there is really into metal, but I, I thought if I could get some metalheads out, they might do some more, you know, maybe we could do some events there, maybe we could get some, uh, you know, some, maybe a metal-themed beer, or just like whatever. And I was like, well, you're in luck, because I know, like, every metalhead in town, you know? And <laughs> uh, we became fast friends, and so we started working together almost immediately on some of these metal nights at Port City that we started putting together. Uh, and it kind of, you know, snowballed from there. But we were getting, you know, 150 or so people coming out to these events, and we didn't even have bands playing. These were just come out to the brewery, we're going to play metal songs all night, you can pick the songs, you know, we let people send in requests and uh, and just have a place to hang out. You know, there weren't a lot of places for metal people to hang out. Uh, Jax was, was about it, and Jax had closed, or Empire as it later became known. And, uh, and we were looking for a place to kind of do that, and uh, I started reaching out to the concert venues in the area, you know, uh, 9.30 Club, Rock and Roll Hotel, uh, you know, various venues that were doing... Um, metal shows here and there, uh, Fillmore, they all liked this idea and they started giving me concert tickets to give away at these events. And so that was a good draw for people. You know, I'd come out to this, this brewery and maybe you can win, you know, free tickets to a show you wanted to go to. And, uh, eventually Will moved on to, uh, Fairwinds when Fairwinds first started, he, he was on there, uh, helping them launch. And we did a couple metal nights out there as well. But there were some problems. Uh, they didn't have a great sound system there at, at all, <laughs> to put it mildly. Uh, and so uh, the first one we did, we were doing a like an album premiere for like a listening party for the band King Giant. And all these people came out and, and they didn't have speakers that were much bigger than the average computer sound system. And it just, you know, the amount of people we had there, you could hardly hear anything. And so we had to have the band start bringing in, in their own um, amplifying equipment, their own PAs, so that we could uh, so we could do them there. So we did a few there, um, but eventually he moved on to Atlas, and at that time I think Atlas was trying to, uh, they were like in a state of, uh, I don't want to say flux, but they were kind of trying to upgrade their stuff. And uh, I know they brought Will on to help on the beer side of things, um, you know, get their, their system working and, and the things that they wanted to do. And, um, and I guess train whoever they had uh, brewing there, or help work with them. And um, so he plugged it to them. Hey, do you guys want to do some metal events? And they were into it. And they actually, you know, were like, hey, if, if you could do even some shows here, we could, you know, we could get some people in to do some shows. And so, you know, very, very DIY. Uh, it was the DC Heavy Metal Christmas Party of 2016. So December of 2016 was the first uh, show at Atlas. And we had Genocide Pact and Gloom play, two locals. And we did really well. Uh, a lot of people paid and, you know, all the bands got paid. The venue made a lot of money on beer sales. And, uh, and they really liked it. And it, it kind of uh, took off from there. Then other promoters started uh, getting involved. Probably most notably would be Hassan from Ripping Headaches. He's booked a ton of shows there. Some of the biggest shows you've heard of at Atlas were probably shows that he booked. Uh, I know he got... Uh, Bong Ripper from from uh, Chicago played there. Uh, Conan from the UK, he got uh, Tomb Mold uh, from Canada. Just some some really you know good uh, metal bands that are pretty yeah, well known. Like actual like touring you know touring bands were, yeah. were coming to Atlas Ivy City. Oh yeah, for sure. And I remember he had the night Bong Ripper came there was the same night Sleep was playing at the 9:30 Club, and they still sold out Atlas that night. They still. 
got a capacity crowd, which is awesome. Because, uh, you know, usually sleep, that's the same exact crowd. And for them to draw that, that amount of people still uh, was pretty, pretty impressive. I'm sorry, Will. I'm sorry, Justin. Um, I was at that sleep show. <laughs> <laughs> so if I recall, they were playing two nights, and I think I went to the other night. Um, and, and, and that was the one where they had all the PA problems and stuff at, at the sleep show. I remember they stopped for like 10 minutes in the middle of the set. The sound went out or something. But anyway, uh, it was still really cool um, seeing, seeing uh, some of those bands like that there. And then, um, yeah, you know, the pandemic, things were going great. And then the pandemic hit. And obviously, you know, not just at Atlas, but, but metal shows, metal tours, they all just kind of stopped all of a sudden. And, and all concerts, not just metal, you know, around the world. And, uh, you know, I think during that point, they brought in new staff at some point, new management at Atlas, at least at the Ivy City tap room. I, I, don't, I don't know much about the, the operations at the uh, baseball field, one down by the baseball field. But, um, but you know, I think the new staff, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't even book a show at Atlas at, since the pandemic started, but I went to plenty of them there. And it, it seemed like, you know, the new staff just, I don't know, they weren't as into it, I guess. Uh, they started calling last call earlier and earlier and, and things like that, ready to get, get people out of there. Um, you know, and, and I don't know, I know some of the promoters weren't as pleased with the way they were treated. I, I don't know some of their specific instances, but I just know it wasn't the same, uh, you know, they certainly weren't embraced the same way as before. So, you know, the day all the shows got, uh, got can not can but canceled, you know, this, I, I had a lot of people ask me, well, why'd they cancel all the shows at, at Atlas? And I'm like, well, it wasn't really about the shows. They were, you know, they closed the whole, the whole place down for the summer. Um, so yeah, I mean, speaking as, you know, someone, at least beer adjacent, it wasn't about the shows, although the shows, I mean, and you've got bands who are touring up and down the East Coast, or at least up and down like 95 for, you know, for a little bit. And a lot of these bands, they have day jobs, right? We're not talking about, you know, like your Iron Maidens, your Lamb of God, you know, like you know, yeah, bands yeah. that play like the Fillmore, bands that play 930, bands that play the Anthem. Like Atlas wasn't booking those bands. Atlas was booking bands where it's like, can you get a couple weeks off work? And like, let's like, let's all go, you know, like up and down 95 and tour together. And, I mean, not just that, though. I mean, they were getting bands, international bands. I saw a death metal band from the Ural Mountains in Russia play there one night, you know? <laughs> Uh, they were getting real touring bands, but you're right. We're not talking bands that, uh, you know, would play at sold out arenas and stuff. Um, oh yeah. You know, these this are is no disrespect. Are, like, yeah. Like I, like no, I saw a great, like Quebecois, like French Canadian, like black gaze, you know, sort of like this, like yeah. you know, kind of kind of like doomy shoegaze, but also black metal adjacent band there. Like there's, you know. Oh yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. And a lot of them were up and coming bands that have since gone on to get signed by bigger labels and do bigger tours as well. So it was definitely a place that you could see bands, you know, before before they got bigger, you know, um, in a smaller space than you might be able to a couple of years later once they got signed to a big label or something. So that, that's kind of special. That's kind of the fun of DIY, I think, music in general, uh, be it metal or, or whatever, is that you, you have that ability to kind of see up-and-coming bands. You know, it's like when Mastodon played the Velvet Lounge, you know. You'd never get to see them play a venue that size again, you know, so... And look at them uh, now, like on making cameos on Game of Thrones, and you can't tell who's who because they all look like wildlings anyway. So. I know, I know, I know. Oh, it, it, I can drink beer on the beer podcast, right? Like, 
Chris, it looks to me like you're about to crack open another half beer. Is that a is that a tater? What do you, what do you got there? It is. I got a. Uh, I I actually picked this up from DTC, not the actual brewery, uh, but it's a uh, yeah fully loaded fully loaded baked potato triple IPA, which is other half monkish and trillium collab. See three three heavy hitters of haze right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, know. I'm a big monkish fan, so anytime I can get anything with monkish on the label. On the East Coast, I'm usually going to try to get my hands on it one way or another. All right. So with these shows, has everybody been able to get rebooked? Like, I know that, like, I see that Brow is getting in on it. And you should talk about that in a little bit. But also yeah. um, the Runaway in Brooklyn, D.C., um, sort of yep. sister restaurant, the Slash Run. Yeah. Seem, has seemed to pick up some of these shows as well. Yeah, I believe it's the same ownership as Slash Run, and they did pick up a few. And the reason for that is the person that uh, has taken over as their production manager there, basically the guy that runs all their sound and built their sound system, is one of the guys that ran sound all the time at Atlas. Uh, so he has a, a, you know, he's worked with a lot of these promoters in in the DC area as well that were booking shows at Atlas. So uh, when those shows suddenly needed a home, uh, that you know that's one of the places they reached out, and DC Brow as well. Uh, they had actually reached out to me before all the Atlas stuff happened. They reached out to me uh, about setting up some metal shows there anyway. Uh, they wanted to do a few, not not quite as many as Atlas was doing, which was maybe one or two a week there <laughs> for a while. Um, but they were talking about trying to get a few metal shows in, and, and they know that I started the stuff at Atlas, and they're, you know, book a couple bands and see what happens, um, which the first of those I actually had happen earlier this month. Um, when I had uh, Seasick Gladiator and Severed Satellites play the Dock Days of Summer um, there, which was awesome. Yeah, and th- <laughs> yeah, and thank you know, thank you for interrupting the the jam band um, jamboree that uh, they usually <laughs> book over there. Well, they get some other stuff too, and I, I understand they they want to kind of keep it diverse, you know. Whereas Atlas was sort of they were trying to be like the I don't want to say they want to be the metal home, but they were definitely doing the metal thing. I think Brow is certainly trying to, you know, like one night they'll do, you know, like you said, like a jam band. Uh, Next week, maybe they'll have a reggae band. Next week, they might have bluegrass. And then the fact that they even want to do a few metal shows in there, too, is awesome to me. You know, if they they want me to help them put some metal shows in there, I have no problem helping do that. And, you know, I've known uh, the founders, Jeff and Brandon, for a long time, so I don't mind working with them at all. Um, But, you know, when when I heard the news that day, I, uh, I contacted you know, Will at Atlas and was like, hey, what's, you know, give me the dirt, you know, what, what's going on? Is this true, all these bands? And he told me, yeah. And so the next thing I did was uh, was contact uh, Brandon over at DC Brow, and I was looking for a home, see if I could help. But yeah, so, you know, we try to kick off these shows at DC Brow, and uh, one of the, so one of the, the big ones that I have really coming up is the one that I would love to plug is the uh, Saturday, August 6th, we have Valkyrie coming up from Harrisonburg, Virginia. And it's one of the guitarists from Baroness. It's his other band. Uh, He's formerly of Baroness. He's not in the band anymore. But him and his brother, Jake, it's Pete Adams and Jake Adams are brothers. And they both play guitar in the band. And they have this awesome, awesome chemistry. Um, It's really fun to listen to them play live because they do these kind of like back and forth dueling guitar solos. And it's awesome because they just have this like, it's you know, the songs are written, but they kind of have a free form vibe to them. Because, you know, they do this back and forth, 
like they're almost trying to one up each other while they're playing, you know, playing live. And they have this chemistry of like two brothers that grew up playing guitar. And it's it's really amazing to see. It's not something every band can just replicate. This this the way they play. And uh, you know, they have a bit of Appalachian twang to their sound as as well, you know, being being from uh from Harrisonburg. And uh, I'm really excited to have them and Caustic Casanova are opening that show as well. And we actually had this plan before the whole Atlas thing happened uh, to do a DC Brow. And I know Brandon at, at DC Brow is a big fan of Valkyrie as well. It's, so I was really excited to get them up here. I've, I've been trying to book them in DC for years. They were actually almost on the, uh, they were almost on the DC Brow fourth anniversary show that Caveller Tack and Torch played and stuff, but they couldn't fit on the bill. But we almost had them on that. So we're finally getting them at Brow. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that because I do want to say credit to like Brandon and Jeff, like Kvalterlak, Torch. They've done a beer with Darkest Hour, um, that like that Hella style lager. I told them they should barrel age it and then change the name to Iron Reagan. They listened to me, but that's okay. <laughs> Little inside metal joke for you there. Um, Chris Birch, DC Heavy Metal. Um, thank you for your service to both the beer and heavy metal communities and for joining us. Oh, you know, I think I'm much like you guys. I'm just trying to do what I can to help people. Uh, you know, in my case, listen to listen to more metal and go out to more shows. But, you know, I think uh, it's just like supporting the local beer community in a lot of ways, too. So, you know, I see what we do is fairly similar. So thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. And we're back. Thank you, Chris. All right. We are at DC Beer across social media. Tag us. Tell us what you're up to. You see us out. Say hi. Be well. And don't forget to come to Trivia Night at Astrolab on the 28th. And make sure you look out for our newsletters and stuff because so you know what's going on because me and Jordan and Jake's going to be at places. So be at places with us. And Jordan. DC Beer. Welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us. Happy to be here, guys. Cheers. 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 <laughs>